Welcome to The Memoir, where host Bobby Goldie self-reflects on the chapters of her life. She's persevered through cancer, depression, addiction, adoption, poverty, and abuse. These are just a few obstacles she's battled through and is sharing her struggles and successes as a reminder, we are not broken. We are just human. Now here's your host, Bobby Goldie. Hello, everyone. It's Bobby Goldie. Thank you so much for listening to the memoir again. And before we get into part two of our cancer diagnosis, I wanted to share some fabulous news with you. I have received all of my test results back from pathology, and there is absolutely no cancer in my body right now. So this, for the Goldie household, is a time of celebration. It's also what we're looking at as the start of our new year. Um, We're going to kind of skip January since that was a little rough on everybody in our house. And we're going to say that this is an 11 month year in 2020, and we are going to celebrate. We are also looking at this news and this test of fate and and perseverance as a moment for us to level set in our household and really evaluate what's important and how we should be looking at things. So this was definitely a small deal in our house uh, now that we look back at it. And now we know how to go forward and make sure that we're appreciating everything we're dealing with. So I wanted to start with something before we get into the actual diagnosis is I wanted to ask a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you hear really important or difficult or surprising news? So once a word such as cancer is said, all the words after that from whoever is speaking to you start to sound like the Charlie Brown school teacher. For some of you, I might be dating myself. And for others, you totally understand what I'm saying when, so for example, I say the word cancer, you're not expecting it. I start to say other words and they sound like wah, 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 wah. Isn't that good? Uh, So anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, Google it and you'll see. And, And my point is, is that typically when we are not expecting to hear difficult or important or surprising news, we glom onto or we attach to one word or one message and then everything after that, we don't hear a thing. And that's really difficult because at the time we're getting that very important news, we should be listening to all aspects of it. And then we don't hear it and we have to go back and we have to try to piece things together. So what I have is I have some points of reference. And this happened to us three years ago when we were going on our cancer journey. Every time we were in the doctor's office and they were giving us news that we weren't expecting and then telling us how we needed to proceed, we only heard the news we weren't expecting. So what I thought is, instead of you folks having to wait like we did until the end of our journey to figure this out, I wanted to share some, some pointers with you. So the first thing is, when you're in these types of meetings or appointments, the first thing is to write down all your questions in advance. Don't wait till you're at that appointment or at that meeting. The second thing is, there is no stupid question. I know we've all heard this, but we're typically dealing with things that we are unaware of and unfamiliar with. So there really isn't any stupid questions. The third point is, 
to get all of your questions answered right there while you're there. Number four, if you forget a question after the fact, it's totally okay. Just follow up. It's really important, again, to make sure that there are no open-ended, loose ends that you're trying to figure out. Number five is bring a pen and paper because you're going to get the responses to your questions. And if you don't write down exactly what's going on at that moment, what's going to happen is you are not going to remember. So the pen and paper is, is important. Number six, the most important thing absolutely in all of these pointers is bring somebody else with you that's less invested and not as emotionally attached to the news that you're about to receive. And then what you need to do is you need to hand all of this over to them and let them handle all of it. And again, number six is the most important because again, they're not emotionally invested and then you are ensured that you're going to get everything you need from that meeting. So with that, let's continue with part two of our cancer journey. This next part, remember I say I remember certain things really well and then other things not so well. This one's pretty blurry for me. I do not have a really good break or memory with regards to this this part of the next phase of my diagnosis. So I'm going to do my best to get through it and give you as many details as I can. I got a call from the nurse saying that uh, she wanted us to come in to give us the next steps and what we could expect. So Greg and I, that time, uh, we were able to find a very, very dear friend of ours to come and watch the kids. And through my actual cancer journey, she was our saving grace and she was with us multiple times to take care of our kids. And remember in the last podcast or the video, I explained to you about the one girlfriend that uh, had the same kind of cancer as me and that didn't make it. This is that person. So you can imagine she's very near and dear to my heart because without her, there were moments that Greg and I couldn't have gotten through this with our kids and she would take them and make things a lot easier for them as well as us. So she came and watched the kids. We went to the hospital and we met with the nurse. She explained to us that the biopsy should come through pretty quickly, but because they do this all the time, they're able to give us a little heads up early if they can. And she wanted to let us know that they did find some precancer. She said it was like DCIS and that we shouldn't worry and that it, it is very simple and easy to take care of and there should be no issues at all whatsoever with this. It's pre-cancer and to be calm. So we're like, okay, I'm gonna be honest. I don't care if you say cancer, pre-cancer, it freaked the living crap out of me. And uh, so I was trying to be calm, but it was hard. It was really hard already. And Greg promised me that I couldn't go onto the internet and self-diagnose myself. He promised, made me promise that I would stay off the internet, so I did. And a, a day or so later, the same nurse called, and uh, 
she said, uh, well, we think it's a little bit further than just pre-cancer. Maybe it's, I don't know if she said invasive. I don't even remember the words exactly. But she said, don't worry, it's not a big deal. They would just do a lumpectomy, cut that piece out, and maybe there would be some radiation. But they're still going through the biopsy, but she wanted to give us the heads up. <laughs> right? So it's changing already, and I don't even have the full biopsy. How do you manage through that? How do you manage through the unknown? And for me, how do I go through everyday life while getting your my head smashed in? For me, it's keeping busy. So there were a few things that were going on, which were really, really great. One of my dear friends, and if you noticed, I am really, really, really lucky that I can say dear friends multiple times for many different people. I have some of the best friends in the whole wide world, and I have an amazing family and an amazing support system, and I could only hope that for all of you because it's hard to get through life without that. So one of my dear friends was getting married in Chicago. We planned to go. Uh, Greg and I were gonna get we're going to enjoy this moment. We're It was still early in my diagnosis. We're not going to jump to conclusions and we're going to go get dressed up and have fun. So we got all dolled up. I was all excited and uh, I was able to keep it together for most of that evening and we had an absolutely fabulous time. And then how lucky is this? We already had this trip planned for the kids, myself, Greg, and my best friend and my nephew in Florida to go hang out at a friend's house, another dear friend's house in Florida. He was going to let us stay there. So we had a week planned already in Florida. So we were like, we're going to keep it. We are going to go to Florida. And again, we're going to make the most of life and not freak out for no reason. Did I keep it together in Florida? Absolutely not. I was a complete wreck. Uh, the first night uh, after the kids went to bed, I had way too many cocktails and I cried and cried. And I told them that I had cancer or pre-cancer or whatever it was. I was freaked out and this was gonna be really hard on me and the wheels fell off. And I know that almost every night or every other night, I was a wreck. Uh, but I allowed myself to be. And I knew being in front of my husband and my best friend and my nephew that I could be. There was no judgment and there was only support and positive reinforcement through all this. Even though my brain wasn't going that way, uh, it was pretty amazing. Also, I mean, my life was really busy at this time, which is pretty great. Then uh, during this time, my company announced a very large merger with another company. I had a large responsibility for integration on a portion of the merger, which meant I would be extremely busy with working through the integration as well as meeting the folks on the other side of the, the new company or the company that we were merging with and a bunch of travel. So all while, all while going through all of this craziness, as I was meeting with doctors and going through all of this craziness, I've, I had a few more appointments with the doctors to tell me that, yeah, we, we it's not pre-cancer, it's cancer, 
but we're still going through everything. And what's going to happen now is you're going to get an oncologist and a surgical. No, you're no oncologist at this point. I don't believe you're going to get a surgical oncologist and you're going to meet with them. And we're going to talk about next steps and all of that. So I am knee deep in integration and I am knee deep in getting diagnosed with cancer. And there was this one point I had to ask my doctor if I could travel because I was going across Canada, Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, Toronto, that I had to ask if I could do all of this. And he was cool with me traveling, but I had to make all my appointments, the surgical oncologist was saying. So I was like, okay. So my boss at the time wanted me to be in Vancouver for a meeting at the same time I was supposed to get uh, meet with my doctors. I wasn't ready to tell work yet because I didn't want them to think I wasn't able to conduct my duties as I was because again, I'm not trying to go forward thinking the worst. So I don't want them to think the worst. So I tried to keep it from them as long as I could until I actually knew what my diagnosis was and what I needed. But because of this appointment and my boss being adamant, I had to be at this meeting in Vancouver. I had to uh, go into his office and shut the door. And I had to tell him that I have cancer. And you know, that's the last thing you think is going to come out of somebody's mouth, especially somebody young and healthy, typically. He was amazing. He was absolutely amazing and understanding and gave me the support I needed, which was really great. Then, of course, all while this is all happening, I then have our annual kickoff meeting, which is in Orlando that I need to go to. And... uh I asked again my doctor if I could go and he said fine because you know we're still going you know going through diagnosis and talking through what we're going to do for your uh, treatment. So I got the okay. I already knew I had cancer. So I shared with a few of my super close dear friends, again dear friends, that I was going through this. I shared with two of my very close friends that had cancer. Uh, one had breast cancer and one had stomach cancer. And unfortunately, the one that had stomach cancer is no longer with us, but he was absolutely fabulous and another really, really important person for me through my cancer journey. He gave me more support than anybody else. And uh, he kept my head above water many times. So I shared with both of them. And then one of my friends that I met that it was part of the other company that we were uh, merging with, we became really close very quickly. We just clicked. And I remember, this is a moment I remember clear as day, sitting, telling her that I needed to talk to her and sitting out by the pool at a table and sharing with her that I had cancer. And I remember the look on her face. And I know that she was feeling the pain that I was feeling. It was tough. It was really, really tough to share that with her and to see her respond the way she did. She was amazing, of course, through the whole. She was another one. Oh my gosh, these people, I am so lucky. She was so fabulous through all, all of my cancer journey as well. 
I honestly don't think I could have done it without all of these people that I've mentioned so far. So then I'm in meetings. I'm still in Orlando and I'm in meetings. And and by the way, I'm telling you all these things because this is how life really works, right? Life doesn't stop when difficult things happen. You still need to be an adult. You still need to take care of your family. You still need to work and you need to function. So this is why I'm going through all these moments. So I'm at kickoff and we're in a bunch of meetings, uh, big group meetings all day long. And I'm in a group meeting and I have my phone by me and it's on silent, but I have it by me because I'm always waiting for those doctor's calls. Because remember, I'm still not fully diagnosed yet. And my phone rings and it vibrates and it says unknown caller ID. I can't answer it. I'm in meetings. I'm assuming they're just going to leave a message for me. No message. Literally six phone calls in a row. No message just unknown caller. So now I'm realizing, okay, I think this is the doctor's office. So I call my doctor's office and I say to them, you guys are calling me, what's going on? And it's the nurse. And she says, we have some paperwork we need you to fill out. And I tell her, I'm in Orlando. I really can't fill out the paperwork right now. Can it wait till I come back at the end of the week? She's like, no, we need you to come in now and fill out the paperwork. I'm like, seriously? Paperwork? You really need me to come from one country to the other to fill out paperwork. I'm not buying it. And if that's the case, then I want to talk to the doctor. And she's like, it's just paperwork. And I said, no, no, you need to have the doctor call me because I... I'm not buying it and I'm not going anywhere. And if the doctor really needs me to come back, please have him call me. So she says, okay. So I go back to my meetings. I'm still okay with everything. But now when I'm going to pay attention to my phone. So when my phone vibrates and it's unknown caller, I excuse myself out of the room. I'm in the back this time being really quiet. I walk out of the room and it's my doctor. And, uh, He proceeds to tell me that my cancer is more aggressive than they thought and that they need me to come back because we need to talk about next steps. And I say, no. And he's like, excuse me? I'm like, no, he already told me I have cancer. I said, give me this, just give me this moment to be busy, to live my life, to get through this. If I come back today or I come back on Friday, I still have freaking cancer. So if you could please just give me this week to continue to be Bobby, the employee, I would really appreciate it. And he agreed, but he said I had to come back as soon as I I after I had to come into the hospital as soon as I got back and I did so I go back and you know he proceeds to tell me it's aggressive and they want to do the lumpectomy right away and they're going to take out some lymph nodes I don't remember anyone ever accusing me of being overtly positive I've never heard anyone say I was happy-go-lucky and I've never had the nickname Mr. Brightside I'm a big sports fan after all and I'm from Cleveland Luckily, I'm not here to talk about the Browns. And having said all that, neither am I the perpetually down in the dump sort either. I think I'd classify my lifelong Demeter as cautiously pessimistic. 
That's what I hope makes this part of the story interesting. When Bobby got home the day of her physical that started all this, the day she sent 27 text messages that never got through to me, she said the nurses became strangely agitated during the mammogram exchanging concerned glances and leaving the room quickly to talk to the doctor. But they weren't allowed to discuss anything they'd seen. God knows they wouldn't want to take a moment to calm someone's nerves, unless they didn't have anything to say that would do such a thing. If any of you have ever seen the commercial that's running a lot these days where the woman is being told she has advanced cancer and instantly she doesn't hear another word because her mind starts racing with, uh, with hundreds of things, it was kind of like that. If you go through a cancer journey, you'll become familiar with this phenomenon. You get some news, bad news, news worse than the last time you were here, and then everything is gone. All the questions you had before you got here, all the questions you should have now, you'll remember all of it in a few hours after you get home, and eventually you'll learn to keep a notebook handy uh, for doctor's questions and many other things that float in and out of uh, your brain while it's mostly occupied with my wife has cancer. I'm sure it's nothing, I said. Remember in Wisconsin? The doctor thought he saw something too, and it was nothing, remember? She remembered, but it didn't help her much. I could see that easily enough. And despite the fact that I was about to become Mr. Positive and Mr. Brightside all rolled into one for the next few months, and believe me that I meant every, everything I said during this time, I don't know if it was for the best, and I'm pretty damn sure it never once made her feel any better. But it wasn't me telling myself, this is what I need to do. It wasn't because I was thinking this is what she needs. It was just how I felt. She didn't have cancer last time, and she wasn't going to this time. And if she did, we'd beat it. I don't know if this is typical or not, but it seems like every time we went to see the doctor, something had changed, and always for the worse. There were abnormal cells, evident but they were precancerous and still contained in the duct. When we walked out that day, I was happy. All I heard was, no cancer. When I expressed how pleased I was, she was not as happy. All she heard was precancer and that that shit was in her body. Uh, It'll be okay, I said, but with less enthusiasm this time. The The next time the cells were out of the duct and they seemed to be cancer. We got this, babe. It's early. There was a small lump that turned out to be bigger. The mysterious report that it had spread, but then they said it didn't. One time along the way, the doctor spoke to us about a second lump as if we already knew about it. We didn't. Through all of it, I told her it would be okay. Bobby was by far the strongest person I've ever known. The hospital was world-class, and I would do absolutely anything I could to see her through it. I really believed it was gonna be okay but that doesn't mean I didn't cry at night or that I wasn't scared to death that I couldn't convince Bobby. Remember I started this journey in November of 2015. Oh, maybe I didn't even say that. I guess I should have. So I started this journey in November of 2015. And now we're going to fast forward to March of 2016, which is when I finally got my first detailed diagnosis. They were really great at keeping me all up to speed and all of that, but it didn't get to this until March of 2016. Um, I ended up having another biopsy and then I got my lumpectomy and my lymph nodes removed in February of 2016. And I honestly cannot remember that surgery or that day at all, which is the craziest thing ever. 
But I do remember I wasn't very fond of my surgical oncologist. And part of the reason was because of when he told me that my cancer was more aggressive than it was expected, I was very clear at the onset that I wanted a mastectomy. I just wanted him out. And he kept saying, no, he wasn't about that. I was just going to get the lumpectomy and and the lymph nodes removed and then possibly radiation. Or I was going to get radiation, but I didn't want that. I hated them. I wanted the breasts out. I wanted the cancer out. I didn't want any chance that it was going to come back, but he wasn't listening to me. So for me, that was really difficult to go through. So This is the first time through the whole journey that I all of a sudden decided to blog and share it because it was tough. It was hard. And for some reason, I felt like I just needed to write and I just needed to share. And it isn't for everybody, just like my podcast. And and speaking of these horrible, difficult, uh, very personal stories isn't for everybody, but it was for me. So I did that and it was, it was, it was really good for me. So I went to the doctor after my lumpectomy for results and guess what? The lumpectomy was unsuccessful. They, I, they did not get clean margins. So, so for, for any of you that don't know what that means is they, they take out the spot that they think is the cancer and then there's supposed to be a certain area of margins where uh, there's no cancer or it's clean margins or they get far enough away from the area that is cancer that they feel like they got it all out. So mine was unsuccessful. The margins weren't clean. And uh, prior to receiving this, because I already was not very comfortable with my surgical oncologist, I was already looking for a new surgical oncologist. And I also needed a regular oncologist as well because my margins weren't clean and we had to talk about next steps. So I was able to meet with my oncologist who I absolutely loved. He was amazing and I could tell he was there for me. And this was the first time that I got uh, a pretty clear diagnosis of what I had. And what I had was triple negative breast cancer, a grade three and aggressive. And triple negative means there's three receptors that you could be positive for, which means there's certain ways to treat you after cancer, or they kind of know where it came from or something like that. Um, you can Google it if my my explanation is not the greatest, uh, but it's bad. Triple negative is not a good diagnosis for breast cancer just because it's harder to give good post-treatment for, and they're not real sure where it came from. So he then proceeded to tell me that I needed a very aggressive chemo cocktail that I would get every two weeks for four months. And uh, he said, you know, I'm going to, the side effects are going to be awful. I'm going to lose my hair and all other things are going to happen. And it's going to suck. And I'm going to spend a lot of time at the freaking hospital, which I'm already done. And then I also found a really great surgical oncologist. And I remember the day that it's another moment I recall that Greg and I walked in as we were walking into the patient room, he proceeds to say that the second lump doesn't change anything, but my lymph nodes are clean. I didn't listen to lymph nodes. You know what I kept hearing? 
the second lump. Remember, I didn't even have a lump. I had uh, spots. Looked like a broken blood vessel. And now I had one lump and two lumps all in this time from November 2015 to March 2016. Some crazy, crazy aggressive cancer. I I think that uh, I am grateful that my brain told me to go get that physical. Uh, Because I can't even honestly imagine if I would have waited six more months where I would be. So higher powers, whatever you believe in, I believe in something because I honestly uh, think my life was saved because of that and going to that physical that day. You know, all those emotions I felt before, uh, sad, angry, stressed out, you know, everything you can imagine, all those emotions were back. I was, I was sad. I was angry. But you know what? I allowed myself to ride the roller coaster of emotions as long as I needed to. And I was not, not going to rush through it. Uh, when I was dealing with uh, the cancer diagnosis before my lumpectomy results, I felt like I was in a nightmare. I was stressed but I knew that I had to fight. But I also knew I could have give up days. And the next few days after that diagnosis and knowing I had two lumps, I had lots of give up days. There were many days I couldn't even get out of bed. Uh, Greg was amazing. He took care of the kids. We tried to keep it from them as much as we could. I continued to work and work and work and work. And it kept me busy. I also learned through this diagnosis journey that not only was I allowed to have give up days where I could just say I'm done for today, I also really learned to appreciate my small victories, whatever they were. Uh, Sometimes they were just taking a damn shower without having a panic attack. The day after my diagnosis was the first time I realized to appreciate my small victories. And you want to know what my small victory was? And it's funny now that I look back at it, I think it was a big freaking victory. I can't even believe I got through this. But my small victory, the day after I had gotten my full diagnosis, was getting on the subway and going to work all by myself. Here I am just learning that I have an aggressive form of breast cancer and that I'm going to have to get chemo. Oh, and a mastectomy. Hmm. Imagine that, that I was able to ride the subway to work without pulling on the emergency handle and jumping off the train or crying and screaming out loud. And you know how I did it? I got through that, that subway ride Because my little angel, my dear friend that uh, I told you about that had stomach cancer, he would send me songs all the time that he said helped him battle through his tough days. And I still believe music helps everybody battle through tough days. So I had a playlist that he gave me that I played 
on that subway in my earphones. And I played that playlist so loud and I sang and I danced and I did not give one lick of what anybody thought of me. Cause you know what? It's what got me through it. And, uh, it worked. Uh, there were many times I had to get on that subway and I did that. There were many times I recall riding my bike on the road with my earbuds, which I know is unsafe. Okay. But are you really going to give me issues about being unsafe after I just got diagnosed with cancer? No, I had my earbuds on and I would sing so loud with my earbuds on while I was riding my bike. And it was the things that helped me get through it. I'm supposed to talk about the day of the lumpectomy. First, I can say that I was still starring in the role of Mr. Positive. I knew without a doubt the surgeon would go in, take out the small lump, declare afterwards that everything had gone swimmingly, and that we would get on with our lives. It was the end of January, three months in, and the whole thing was almost over. The reality, however, is a bit blurry. I remember getting up early, dropping the kids off at a friendly neighbor who had walked them to school, and then that same long, quiet drive to the hospital. I remembered the sick, sad feeling of walking in and hoping Bobby wouldn't remember most of this. I'm honestly not sure if this was the time the power went off at the hospital right before she went in or if that was another surgery. It wasn't funny whichever time it was, but of course we made light of it. I can't remember much of what went through my mind as I sat in the waiting room with my face in my hands. We didn't find out anything that day, I don't think, but when we did, it didn't look anything like the rosy picture I had painted for myself. The lump, which less than a month ago wasn't even a lump, or cancer for that matter, was bigger than they had realized. He hadn't gotten it all out. There was talk of further surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. I didn't have my notebook again. I wasn't writing any of it down. I was only hearing bits and pieces of what they were saying. I squeezed Bobby's hand. The day we, or at least I, had been waiting for had come and gone, and and this was not done. There was actually now a long way to go, and the path ahead of us was dark. So, That's the story of my diagnosis, which is pretty crazy and long and traumatic. And everybody's journey with cancer, as well as their diagnosis, is totally different. But I just thought it was really important to share that. And of course, I will continue to share more stories about my cancer journey because I think it's important for people to share, not only for people going through cancer to feel like they're not alone, but for the family members, just like what Greg had to go through and my loved ones and my dear friends. This is not uh, a diagnosis of one. This is diagnosis of many and many people that love, love and care for you. So thank you so much for listening. And also let me know what you think of this with uh, Greg and I sharing our different moments and our recollections of this diagnosis because we can we can do this we have a few more of these where we uh both go through these moments so of course thank you thank you thank you for listening to my wonderful cancer journey i don't know if it's wonderful but 
No, it's not wonderful. My cancer diagnosis, maybe? And lastly, but not least, be a better person than you were yesterday. Thanks for listening to the memoir and hug your loved ones. Thanks for listening to The Memoir. Let's work to remove the stigma of taboo topics. We only have on average 30,000 days on this earth, so let's make the best of our remaining days together. Get in touch with Bobby Goldie at B-O-B-B-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-E dot com and share your story.